Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And, of course, they have Junior Bergen T-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. What are your business challenges for 2021? Supporting an increased remote workforce? Securing and managing your expanding corporate network? Communicating with your customers, employees, and partners? Whatever your challenges and priorities for 2021, Blackfoot Communications knows it all starts with a plan. We are here to help you assess, design, implement, and support your most critical technology infrastructure initiatives. Call Blackfoot at 866-541-5000 or email business at blackfoot.com to learn how we can set you up for success in 2021 and beyond. Blackfoot. Connect to more. It's 4 o'clock. Welcome to Tutel and Nuanes, Montana's only statewide sports talk show. Broadcast on 102.9 ESPN Radio for Western Montana and across the state on SWX Television. I like football! Now, sports talk from Montana for Montana. Live from the Kurtz Polaris studio, here is Ryan Tutel and Coulter Nuanez. Hello, Montana. Grizzly men's basketball practicing. We hear from the head coach. We talk a little Seahawks football. We talk a little high school football. And we hear from our dear friend Carolyn, who does not know sports. It is to tell new one is 1029 ESPN Radio SWX Montana across the state. Outstanding to be with you out there on a Friday afternoon. Hope you are well. Thanks for letting us ride along with you here into your weekend. If you would like to get in touch with the show, you can do just that. 361-3688 is the phone number. 361-3688, the phone number. All guests join us via the Rankish Brothers RV phone line. You can also text that phone number as well. 361-3688. We'd love to hear from you. Also, if you'd like to listen live, you can do so on our website, 1029ESPN.com. You click the Listen Live tab, and you jump into the stream. The stream is available all the time, and it is there thanks to our friends at Opportunity Bank of Montana, Opportunity Bank. Your local bank, your opportunity. Jam-packed show today, as it usually is on a Friday heading into the weekend, but we got a ton to get to. We're going to open up here with a little bit of University of Montana men's basketball. Travis DeCure uh, had uh, some media down to uh, practice today, got to uh, talk to the head coach, also talked with Michael Stedman, uh, a, a guy who transferred into the University of Montana, and they're expecting really big things out of him, and big, also literally, we go about 6'9", 6'10", Michael Stedman, so we got to chat with him and uh, Coach DeCure, so we'll bring you some sound from that. We also will talk with Michael Mike Dugar of The Athletic, 12 for the 12s, our Seattle Seahawks segment that we do each and every Friday. Even though it is a bye week for the Seahawks this week, still plenty to talk about coming out of that uh, thrilling game last Sunday night uh, with the uh, Minnesota Vikings. And uh, and also, where are they at? They're 5-0. and uh, You can't be better than that. But also, uh, do we see maybe a little shake in the armor to some extent for the Seattle Seahawks in this last week against the Vikings? Did they expose something in, a, in that Minnesota game? We also will have Joseph Urso. He's our Matches Firm Student of the Week from Billings West. He is a freshman there. He is a, a, a wrestler. So we'll talk to him a little bit. We will also 
Talked to Mick Morris and Dane Oliver, two of the uh, three head coaches of the AA teams in the city of Missoula. Mick Morris of Hellgate and Dane Oliver of Sentinel. Probably the game of the year at the high school level is uh, happening tonight at Missoula County Stadium. Sentinel Spartans 5-0. and The Helena Bengals 5-0 and playing for uh, supremacy in the AA ranks. And of course we will have the chick who doesn't know sports in here as well. So there you go. That is our show. That is what we're getting ready for on a Friday afternoon. Hope you are uh, all, all well. Oh, we will get you set for the weekend as well. We got the uh, ALCS and NLCS going on. Kershaw could not get it done again. Now, it's easy to say that because he was a starting pitcher. I think he gave up three runs, okay, in what became an 8-2 loss. I think he does take the loss ultimately, but you don't lay this at his feet. I mean, the offense never really got going for uh, for the Dodgers last night. Give the Braves a ton of credit, and they now have a stranglehold on this series, three games to one uh, as they will play game five. And then, of course, how about this? The Astros coming back. Alex Correa walking it off last night. Down 3-0. Down now just 3-2. I mean, it is a little bit nerves time, and you better get it done in the sixth game if you are the uh, Tampa Bay Rays because you don't want to all of a sudden have a 3-0 lead and now find yourself in the seventh game. That's a that's a bad spot to be in, a bad mental spot to be in. So we'll get into some baseball stuff as well. On Friday, we like to do this around here every single Friday and just make sure that we are ready to go into the weekend, and we do it with our friends at Florence Coffee Company. We It's our Florence Coffee Company coffee break. I got myself an iced America, uh, excuse me, an ice latte, ice latte, Coulter, standard, iced Americano, a little cream, Woo. and uh, I think we even got Tommy in Americano today, so, mm. you know, something for, something for the guy who's doing all the prod in this place this weekend, so uh, we got that hooked up. Listen, here's that the That production. Yeah, that's ads. I hate people that abbreviate. Why, well, dude? I, abbe- I, I abbreviate all the time. Um, so adorbs. Uh, At the Florence Coffee Company, by the way, all October, this is cool, take your pet, specifically your dog, in costume through the Florence Coffee Company kiosk, get a picture taken, the the, uh, the, the barista, baristos will take pictures of your your pet in costume, obviously Halloween month here in October, and uh, put it up on their Facebook page, and there's ways to win all kinds of prizes if you got, you know, some of the best costumes for your pet, so go do that. Now, let's be clear, don't do it during the morning rush, okay? We're already backed up, we can't be sitting here doing photo ops with the animals while we're trying to get to work, but... After the rush, take your animals in there and uh, and have some fun. This is a, this is a really fun thing. Go see, uh, go check out the uh, Florence Coffee Facebook page and website for more information on uh, on how you can win and just have a good time and be you know a little festive here as we head into the first sort of holiday of the holiday season. Man, it's already like just like two weeks away. So pumped up about that and you know. You're close to a Florence Coffee Company kiosk right now. You might as well go and get your weekend started the right way like Coulter and I have. So there you go. It's our Florence Coffee Company coffee break. Coulter, we were down at the University of Montana today. Uh, saw our first sort of glimpse of a, just a little bit of, of basketball activity happening. Practice uh, now in session for the University of Montana men's and women's basketball teams all across the big sky. Men's and women's uh, teams in action. But our first opportunity to uh, talk to Travis DeCure. Been a little while since we got to speak with the head coach. Uh, this the day after we went through yesterday that the, the schedule and and what is a crazy schedule in terms of how different it is from the norm and yet how interesting it is too. And I thought, uh, you know, coach to cure, uh, who, who will, will hear speak about that had, you know, I think he was sort of, sort of pretty complimentary of it in a lot of ways. Uh, but also just, I mean, it was interesting where you're going, okay, so that's who this is. Okay. Who that's who this is. I mean, just new faces everywhere, right down to Grizz practice. It certainly was. Um, I thought that, Coach DeCure's disposition today was was very uh, interesting. He will, will, will you'll hear it in the sound, but we've heard around the city of Missoula, just around the community, and you know it's been reported on by several news outlets that there's been some COVID cases, specifically within the athletic department, and we knew that there was you know the cross country team was quarantined as a whole for a while. And we've had, you know, some, I know that we, we have close connections with the lacrosse program. Some lacrosse kids have been quarantined. There's been football has, has had a late start because of some contact tracing, some quarantines. I know the University of Montana basketball team has been really affected by it too, whether it's directly infected and or contact tracing. But I think that from a humanitarian standpoint, I think the thing that a lot of people need to understand is that 
a lot of the student athletes at the University of Montana, a lot of Travis DeCure's guys, they live in student housing. So either they're living in the dorms because he has a bunch of freshmen, or they're living you know, just in the Lewis and Clark apartments, which are just like one step up from the dorms. But when you get contact tracing and you got to quarantine or you are infected and you have to quarantine, you can't leave your room. Mm-hmm. Like you got to sit your butt in the same spot. That's tough on any human, but that is insanely tough on a teenager slash somebody in their early 20s, like a high-energy athlete that's used to being active every day. It's brutal, man. And I, I think that we've seen various levels of taking this pandemic seriously across the sports landscape. Travis Secure and his guys have taken this thing very seriously. Yes, they have. We've interviewed him several times over the last eight months, and he says, no, you guys are not coming here. No, I'm not going there. It was the first time we got to see Trav in since since Boise. Yep. And that was a bizarre experience because we see Travis all the time, usually, mm-hmm. and he's one of my favorite people to be around, not only because of just the vision that he has and the way he cares himself, but the energy that he projects in the world, too. He's such a great leader. He's so inspiring to be around just at every turn. I know you feel the same way. I mean, no Tra- Travis is awesome. It was it, it was a bummer being not being able to be around him. But then, like when he walked up, he said, "Hey, a little cautious right now. I, never, I haven't been around this many people a really long time, especially like stranger danger. Haven't seen you guys since <laughs> since March." So um, it was striking to me just the candor of everything because I think that they um, they really know what this is all about. And I thought that in this interview, Travis was very realistic as well. We've heard a lot of dancing around what's going to happen or say, you know, a lot of people in leadership positions saying we don't have any answers to anything, which is true. But Travis basically said this thing, Hey, I don't expect there to be 20 games played. I don't expect that to be the case at all. We just got to be ready when we can play. And if we, if we can play, we'll play and that's it. So, uh, I mean, he talks a lot about the schedule, talks a lot about the team. It's good sound. Great setup. Thanks. Excellent work. Here you go, Travis DeCure from this afternoon. Travis, an obvious first place to start is it's a very atypical schedule we saw come out yesterday. You get 20 games out of it, it reduces travel, but it's very weird to play back-to-backs, almost a mini-series all the way through. So just your sort of initial thoughts about, about what you saw in general given our situation and then from a basketball standpoint. Uh, it's different, right? From a basketball standpoint, it's, you know, the guys, it's going to be hard for them to get used to playing someone, watch film the next morning, and then try to fix whatever didn't work and do it again or do something different against the same opponent the next day. But um, in terms of safety, minimizing travel, um, cut down number of contacts. If someone were to come up positive, you you know, I, I, I like that, that the conference tried to get ahead. Um, and, and they also worked with the coaches in terms of coming up with something that made sense for everyone. So I'm happy with where we're at. Typical conference season. You spent so much time prepping for the first opponent, have to have a quick turnaround. Now you can prep for the same opponent. Do you like that element of it as a coach? It'd be fun to tinker with. You know, I, we'll see who can adjust better. Typically, those you've got a couple weeks for those adjustments, and you might see something else against another opponent. Now it's going to be who can stay up all night, watch film, tweak a couple things within twenty within twelve hours, probably of practice, uh, and then get ready for your game another twenty four hours later from there. So. Uh, it's different, and with it being an exempt season, um, I, I think the, the number one key is just try to get in as many games as you can. From, from Montana's perspective, you guys get Weber State coming here, Montana State obviously, but Idaho, Eastern Washington. So do you like the teams that you guys have coming to Missoula? Yeah, I, I wanted it to be as balanced as it can possibly be, and there's no such thing as that really under these types of circumstances. For us to know we're splitting with Eastern, we're splitting with Montana State, um, you know, if we got Weaver at home, we're at Portland State, it kind of evens out for us. Um, in terms of just what you're looking at roster-wise, right, but everything's on paper. There's gonna, there's always a team that no one expects sneak up into that top four. So, um, you know, I don't want to get too far ahead, but just on paper, it looks like it came out pretty balanced for us. A lot of times the asymmetry in the last several years we've seen has put certain games where one team is clearly at a disadvantage, whether it's because of travel, whether it's because of short rest and that, especially on the travel side, to not have that. Do you think there's going to be more maybe competitive games throughout the year, just conference-wide? Yeah, I think so. You know, I it, look, we, we played a couple teams two years in a row that didn't have a game for eight days, and we were coming off a Thursday game playing on Saturday. And that, co- that cost us a couple of times. And we didn't play well. It, it, you know, they did a good job of preparing. But 
when an opponent has seven more days of preparation than you do for one game, that's not balanced. And so at least that's not going to exist. What's been the most difficult part to navigate as far as the quarantines go and contact tracing and stuff like that? Trying to get the guys in shape. You know, you, you, you start to gain some ground and then all of a sudden they're in their room for 14 consecutive days. And, and so they're not in shape. It's just impossible. So now it's, it's minimizing injuries. And we've got guys sitting out right now. So the conditioning and, and the injuries are going to be an issue for the entire season. And I think that that's one of the major issues that played into the decision of the exempt was, one, no summer, um, no preparation academically. It, it, it puts pressure on guys for graduation. Um, and then the mental health aspect on and off the court. And, and so for our guys, it's, you know, it, the hardest part is just keeping them focused, keeping them hungry, um, and maintaining your mood, right? I think all of us have had mood swings here for the last six months. And you can only imagine what it feels like for a 20-year-old sitting in an apartment in his own room for, for seven to 14 straight days. Non-conference schedule-wise, I think Kent said a couple times that, you know, maybe not till early November. I guess any updates at all on the, on the non-conference schedule? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm hoping to have, you know, I'm really waiting on one more contract. And if I can get that here in the next 24 hours, maybe we can announce something by as soon as Monday. Um, but Kent's probably right. You, you know, those contracts, you never know when they come. It could be early November. But we're close. We only get five non-conference games, and we've got three of them contracted. Um, the fourth one will determine what I do with my fifth. Do I try to get a home game or not? So um, we're just kind of waiting for, for a contract to come in. You know, at some point that email goes ding, and it's there. We roll with it. From a team chemistry standpoint, what's the biggest challenge? Because, I mean, you can't, like, take these guys out to dinner. They can't be, like, hanging out with each other all the time. So how do you get guys to, to mesh when they're probably only hanging out with them and their roommates? It's hard. Um, you know, we've had some Zooms. We've had a couple meetings here and there where we spread out or whatnot. But it, it, it's challenging this year more than ever. Um, and I think it's had some negative impact on a couple scenarios already. And we just, we just got to do a good job of getting ahead of it. Uh, we will be traveling, and, and so we'll, we'll have some time. It just might be later that we come together um, as a unit, and, and, and it might not be November that we're clicking. It might be January. Last thing for me, the conference made a conference-wide mandate that Election Day, there are no practices, nobody doing anything, so everybody can kind of get together, do the vote and, and all that. But are you doing anything within the team in terms of, of that in this upcoming election that's on, its, on the horizon? No question. Um, we, we were the first program 100% um, registered. We did that a couple months ago. Um, you know, we've, we've been trying to help these guys educate themselves on who they should be voting for based on their their needs and things they want to see happen. Um, but we're, we're definitely involved in some other things on campus and whatnot. So we want these guys to be as active as possible. Um, you know, I, I think now more than ever, you start to realize how important it is um, to, to do your civic duty, more so than just vote, but be impactful in a lot of other ways. And so we're just trying to help these guys create ways to be impactful. Um, the university has started their diversity board they have within athletics, which is pretty new. And I know some of your players and coaches are within a part of that. How, uh, in, how big do you think that is for the university? And what can you say about that? Uh, it's a big step. You know, and, 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 you know, the NCAA shortly after that came out and, and they're pushing, everyone needs to have that at, at some point in time. Um, but dialogue needs to take place in order to have change. And we all have to assume some sort of responsibility in our own special way to impact change. But before that, you got to come to the reality that it needs to take place, right? And so for me, uh, it's exciting to just see conversations taking place uh, within our community and hopefully we can impact the rest of the community. So there you go, a good portion of uh, the conversation or the, the, the question and answer period that was had with Travis DeCure uh, just this afternoon at the University of Montana practice. And again, like you said, a lot of stuff in there, Coulter. One thing we didn't hear, and this is what you had alluded to uh, uh, before, was just about um, when you talk about the, the, the scope of the season and thinking – He's like, there's no way we're playing 26 games. He goes, right. there, he said effectively, there's no chance that any team in America plays an entire schedule. We know we're going to have games scheduled. It's just a matter of how many. But we also know that the NCAA really wants and needs to have their tournament, which is their 
moneymaker. Like that's the big, obviously the huge billion dollar thing that they have that they didn't get to have last year. And now, you know, they need to have it this year one way or another. So that is the thing that's sort of the driving force behind this. So he was optimistic that there's going to be a season of some sort, but is very, very well prepared that things aren't going to go, you know, according to any sort of plan. And I'll tell you what, that, that to me is the, the mindset that, that every coach in any sport should have. Like, I understand the routine that you have. And if you're a football team, you play on one day, you got, you know, your two days off, then you're back at practice, you do a couple film sessions, and yep. it's all slated out and it's all planned. Well, you know, it, it, there it's a guarantee that there are going to be times and probably multiple times where that isn't going to happen. So for coaches, and it seems, it seems so much more the case in football to be like so bent out of shape that it, the game is canceled or that it's been moved or that, it, you know, they can't do this and they can't do that in the third. It's like, you know, this is what it is at this point in time. So just ex- it is. accept the fact and like be prepared to audible. Yeah, you just get more bent out of shape in football because like we've just established this standard that like college football is just not played on Wednesdays, period. It's just not. Whereas like college basketball, if you have a game that's delayed or postponed or whatever, you could play it on any day of the week, and it wouldn't seem such so random, right? It wouldn't seem so odd. I, mean, I, I, know, I know what know. you're saying. It's, it, this is on football culture to just, yeah. I mean, just get over it. Play I mean, it on Wednesday the, or the NFL, too. Like, the players in the NFL yeah. going, I, oh, they moved our bye week up. And I understand you don't want that. You want your bye week when it was. It's probably better when it's week nine than when it's week four. Yep. Yeah. Everybody's got anybody and everybody right now just has to do what they got to do to 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 get by. How many different but, how many different rule changes and ways to go about doing this job for you and me have we had in the last six months? Oh my god! I mean, we've had how many we, episodes have we had? How many we, shows we, we, have we had? You know, we've probably had new protocols between working from home, between how and when to come to work, between whether to wear you know when to wear a mask, how off you know all that kind of stuff. We've we've had different protocols, probably a half dozen. You know, maybe even eight, ten times in the last six months. And you know what? So has everybody. Right. Right? Well, you know what? That's what it is. And so when Coach Secure like goes, I, I know we're going to have games canceled. I know we're going to have stuff moved around. It is what it is, and we'll see how many games we can play, and we can't wait to play them. Seems like the right thing to say. Well, and it, it is. And then Jeff Choate said this on our show last week, too. Montessi head football coach. He said, the, the two things I'm telling my guys is wake up with a positive attitude and be ready to be flexible. Because right. if you don't, you're just going to be pissed. Yeah. And it's something that we all have to learn. Yeah. I mean, you know, you rode back with me in the car. Boise, I couldn't even speak. I was so mad. <laughs> I was just like, what the, what the hell are we going to do? What what the, the, the ride back was not the worst. The three days stuck in a hotel room were the worst. I, I mean, I just, I, I was having a moment where I thought that it was just over. Mm-hmm. And it might still be. I don't know. <laughs> but... <laughs> Positive and flexible. Now. There you go. That's right. I had to so, to you. Uh, yesterday when we talked about the schedule, we did analyze some of the the ins and outs of this thing. You know, who's Montana and Montana State are playing at home? Those are good things. You know, the dynamic of playing two different teams or the same team, excuse me, two games in a row. I had two other thoughts on this though. First of all, we the the, the omnipresence of the ferocity of the rivalry between Montana and Montana State in football is something that never dissipates in the state of Montana. Yeah. It's everywhere all the time. Everybody around Missoula where we're at right now, just they they cannot get over it. They they gotta play the Bobcats again. Every Grizz fan, that's all they're talking about. Like, oh, this team's Grizz team, this year's Grizz team could be good. We gotta get another shot at the Cats. It's the number one thing that everybody wants to say. And but Montana State's sitting there thinking like Let's go. We love playing the Grizz. All we do is run for 400 yards. Lick right. my chops. Bring it on. Regardless, that same ferocity is nowhere close in the basketball front, and that's just because Montana has utterly dominated the rivalry for the last decade. I mean, it's been there is no rivalry. Montana just wins every time. Yeah, and also, and this has changed, particularly at Montana State, but Mac Anderson, the University of Montana, you got a couple of guys who've been, you know, Laden Ricketts and stuff that are, Contributors and, and good players sure. from Montana State, but by and large, this is not Montana kids playing in this game. You know, whereas sure. in football, it's yeah, you know, pick your spot on the map. You got kids from four hundred six playing for sure. What I'm getting at though is that 
Here's the thing that I think is the most intriguing portion of the entire Big Sky Conference schedule. The fact that Eastern Washington and Montana are going to play in consecutive nights. Mm. Can you imagine how fired up Kim Aiken is going to be by the 30th minute of the second game? This dude's ready to punch somebody by the 10-minute mark of the first game every year, the the last couple years. I mean, these guys have... Some bad blood. It's honestly, it's honestly like it's right on the point of being not good. Yeah, I mean, we've seen some bad things. I mean, like that foul, Kim Higgins mm-hmm. foul on Saeed Pridget at the Big Sky tournament a couple years ago was like that was bad. That yeah. was that was bad. Getting in a fight at the on the baseline and people getting thrown out, cheerleaders getting punched, cheerleaders getting tossed out. Like, I'm all about physical and stuff, but I mean, this is when civilians are getting hit. This is not. <laughs> this is not. <laughs> This is not a thing, you know? I mean, this is a bad situation. That said, though, you got to love it. You got to love it because, I mean, there is no better show to me than watching Travis DeCure try to execute his X's and O's and, and you know, scream until you can't even hear him. And Shante Leggins hopping around. Whatever the sideshow of this thing is, I mean, this is worth the price of a mission. Yeah. But when you talk about they get to play each other back-to-back times, but on each other's home floors, man, like those are going to be Wars like usually, you you know being around practice and stuff like when the Grizz lost in Cheney a couple years ago, even though they had several games in between, they're still thinking okay let's get better and better and better so we can get back at Eastern Washington like mm-hmm. that's what they're talking about. This is the rivalry in the league. Mm-hmm. Now the fact that you're going to play and then get on a bus and go play again, that second game is going to be straight a war, man. It's going to yeah. be it's going to be intense. It's going to be sweet. It is, and I I think you're going to have, um, I think you're going to have maybe some dull. Uh, you know, trips or whatever. And obviously there's going to be teams that are good. There's going to be teams that are not good. That's the nature of, you know, the separation that happens. Um, But there's going to be some games where a tone is going to be set in a first game that is going to make the second game hugely intriguing. And it's going to have nothing to do with, you know, the basketball of it. Exactly. And you expect to see stuff like that, maybe in a Montana, Eastern Washington and a cat Grizz. Sure. Um, you know, maybe even a Northern Colorado type of scenario, but you might see, I mean, first weekend, maybe something happens with Southern Utah in the first game. And all of a sudden there's not time to cool down. There's only time to get angrier and then go back at it again. And I think too, that's a trap, right? Like the teams that can control that, control themselves, control the emotion of it are the teams that are going to be the most successful. Well, think about some of the individual matchups, too. I know Timmy Falls isn't with the Grizz right now. He's not in the league anymore. I know Holland Woods transferred. But just take that individual matchup, for example. Mm. Like last year when Holland Woods lit Timmy Falls for 39 points in Portland, well, imagine if Timmy Falls gets a retribution chance, right? Mm. Like imagine Jonah Radabaugh versus Saeed Pridget. Like Jonah Radabaugh shuts down Saeed Pridget. All right, now Saeed Pridget's get another shot at him. Those little right. things are, are going to be pretty sweet. The other thing is, and you heard Coach Secure address it here, too. The travel in the Big Sky Conference is brutal. There's no question about it. It's also the most built-in excuse for every single freaking coach in the league. Every coach talks about, well, we had to play in flag on Thursday night, and then Southern Utah moved tip up till noon, so we had to take a bus for five and a half hours through a canyon. We got to sleep for four hours. Now we got to play Southern Utah, blah, 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 blah. That doesn't exist anymore. No. There's no getting on a bus right after the game and driving across the Western United States like we've had to see in a lot of different fashions. It's not get on, get out of Portland State and take a flight to Sacramento State and then sleep in a hotel. Now you're going to get... I mean, that's the other thing. The comfort of preparation, right? Like you can take enough stuff for like a trip. Right. And you can just set up in a hotel and be there and that's your home for several days. And, and, and I think that, you know, to get done with a game yeah. at night... Yeah, and just go to your hotel room and go to bed. And that's exactly it too, because we're not. There's so much of the hoopla of you know where are we going to eat? Are we going out to Applebee's? What are we doing now? It's just like nope, we got the food getting delivered to the room. We're gonna be sitting in there. Yeah, like I asked Coach Secure that too, though. I said, how do you build team chemistry? He said it's hard. <laughs> You're gonna get whoever your roommate is is gonna be your roommate for yeah. the duration of the year, and you better like that guy. <laughs> Well, and he's he's gonna he sets the roommate stuff too. So I think that I think well, that's, that's gonna be the other thing though is I think that Trav. That's one reason why his team, the social acclimation of them, mm. is so good because like he he used to always say, like like Mac Anderson, the, the the Montana guy is gonna room with everybody. You can't do that anymore. So how do you get some intermixing, intermingling? I don't really know. I think that you know there's some stuff that you're just not gonna be able to take away. Right. We saw him down there today. They're doing their best at social distancing, but they're still gonna you know. 
be hanging out with each other. That's just the way it goes. But yeah. it's just it's a it's a weird, weird, weird situation, weird time. But as of now, we have a little bit of intrigue because we do have something on the schedule on the docket. Stu Tell Nuanas, one oh two nine ESPN radio. Quick break. Shift gears out of college basketball and into professional football. Every Friday, we are joined by Mike Dugar of The Athletic. Talk to us about the Seattle Seahawks. 12 minutes for the 12s right after this. What are your business challenges for 2021? Supporting an increased remote workforce? Securing and managing your expanding corporate network? Communicating with your customers, employees, and partners? Whatever your challenges and priorities for 2021, Blackfoot Communications knows it all starts with a plan. We are here to help you assess, design, implement, and support your most critical technology infrastructure initiatives. Call Blackfoot at 866-541-5000 or email business at blackfoot.com to learn how we can set you up for success in 2021 and beyond. Blackfoot, connect to more. The Seahawks are on a bye. The Seahawks are 5-0, but there is much intrigue to me surrounding this Seattle team. Maybe we can get a handle on where they're at. To do every Friday about this time with our good friend Mike Dugar of The Athletic. He covers the Seahawks uh, for The Athletic over there in Seattle. And, uh, Mike, we appreciate you being on with us once again. And we uh, let's go back to a week ago, the Sunday night, or what a great football game that was. And Russ doing what he does on fourth down twice, actually, in the final drive, including the touchdown to DK, which uh, turned out to be the game winner. But a really close game, a very competitive game. And I thought... Uh, you know, as as Coulter said, I think he's probably right. If if one running back doesn't go down and Dalvin Cook for Minnesota, it's probably the Vikings game to win. What did you think about that game, and did did it expose anything in the Seahawks? Um, I don't know if it exposed anything as much as it reinforced um, several things. Uh, one is like kind of a flaw in like Pete Carroll's whole uh, mentality, like, oh, can you win the game in the first quarter? Can you win the game? Whatever. Um, Everybody's the seen the video. That, <laughs> yeah, and the and the problem with that is that yeah, a Pete Carroll team will always have a chance in the fourth quarter for the most part. So will the other team. And when when the other team always has a chance, and you play these nail biters all the time against teams that you are like objectively like much better than. So I think that reinforced that thought one I've had for a while. Um, I even joked on Twitter after they posted the uh, video of Pete giving that same spiel. I was like, okay, so what quarter does Pete think they won the Super Bowl in? You know, like, there's, there's clearly a hole in this, like, theory. I was right. joking, but, I mean, I would love to ask him that. Like, <laughs> when do you think that game was over? Because I think it was over as soon as Cam put Demarius Thomas five yards into the dirt. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> no maybe that's just me. The other the other thing it, uh, it, it reinforced um, was DK Metcalf as the team's number one receiver. And I think that was, like, unofficially, like, decided, you know, week uh, week two when he was, like, giving the Patriots everything they could handle. But I think, like, in the moment, in the clutch moments of the game, you know, on two fourth downs, two must-have fourth downs in that game, where did he go? He went right. to number 14. Right. And it's not like a Jermaine Curse thing. We're like, oh, Jermaine's number one because he's throwing the clutch pass to Jermaine Curse. No, 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 that's not how it works. Um, he, he's throwing those passes to DK Metcalf because that's who he, like, really, really trusts to make those plays. It doesn't mean he doesn't trust Tyler. Shoot, he threw it to Tyler. Tyler dropped the game winner um, on third down at the goal line. Uh, but I just think we're seeing DK Metcalf blossom into A, Seattle's number one receiver, and B, one of the most talented receivers in the NFL. I hate so much that I'm so wrong about it, but you're so right, and he is. He, DK Metcalf is, is absolutely dominant. I, Mike, I totally agree with what you just said, though. The fact is it wasn't a revelation of something that you can exploit uh, in Seattle's defense, more than just a re-emphasizing of what I think we already knew their weaknesses uh, to be. How do they go about shoring that up, though? I mean, is, is with the the fact that they are struggling a little bit defensively, particularly against the interior run game, is this a personnel issue? Is it a scheme issue? Where does Seattle need to do to shore up that element of their defense? I don't really think you can scheme up great defense. I mean, that sounds crazy, but like I think you just need great players. And they don't have that right now. Though I did look it up this week. Their their secondary, their best force in the secondary, right, is Shaquille Griffin, Quentin Dunbar, Jamal Adams, and Quandre Diggs. And they have played a total of like 77 snaps together. 
Mm-hmm. Most 68 of those coming against the Falcons. And even then, Trey Flowers was alternating with Quinton, so it really wasn't even like they those those four exclusively played those 68 snaps con- uh, uh, consecutively. So you have you have that. I think that will help once you finally get those four together for multiple games. I think some of the numbers will, will come down. They will no longer be on pace to, like, have the worst defense ever in terms of yardage allowed, which I believe they currently are. Um, so I, I do think that's part of it, but for the most part, you can't scheme up great defense. And so I, I wrote, like, Pete Carroll's going to have to stop trusting his defense as much as he does. And I know that's, like, what do you mean, Mike? How can you just not trust one side of the ball? It's not, in, in, like, completely abandon it, but is definitely acknowledge what you have. And I don't think Pete has is ready to do that quite yet. Like, he still believes, like, in the Minnesota game we saw, like, the strategy is pin, them deep, pin the offense deep, and we'll get a three and out, and then get the ball back with a short field, go down there and score. That's cool in theory. But flipping the field means nothing if your team gives up yardage at the rate Seattle does. Uh, if you flip the field and pin them at the two, Pete, they might just go 98 yards and score on you. Like, that's what this defense is built to give up, sadly. At least it's currently constructed. And he needs to acknowledge that and, like, go all in on the idea that, like, look, we just need to score 35 points. And that's just the goal, you know. Like we're probably not going to go thirty-five. But we should go in there, and give like expecting to score thirty-five if we want to win this game. Mike Dugar joining us. He covers the Seattle Seahawks for the Athletic. You can follow him on Twitter at Mike Dugar. Also listening, uh, listen to him. He hosts the Seahawks Man to Man podcast as well. Uh, Mike, I'm interested in the upcoming schedule because Seattle's five and zero, but they have not played any divisional games yet. They will play now two back to back the Cardinals next week, and then the the 49ers the week after that. I've been adamant that the NFC West is the best division in football, but Arizona is not, at least at this moment, as good as I thought they were. They're not not playing up to the level I thought they might, and the 49ers are just so decimated by injury, I still don't really know what they have, but obviously, I mean, you talk about, you know, Garoppolo already taking a seat for a little while over here next to Coach, and let's just watch this together for a while. That's not a great sign, uh, among other things, for San Francisco. All that to say... What do you? How big are these two games? Obviously, for Seattle now, as they come out of a bye and are faced now with the uh, the the gauntlet that it still is to me and should be their their divisional opponents. I I don't know how the division is good. I don't know if it can still hold up the idea of like it's the best in the NFC or the best in football or whatever. Like at this point, I mean, teams like what Carolina's got a winning record, uh, Tampa Bay and New Orleans, I think, all have. Uh, winning record. The Falcons are a joke, but like you got three teams with yeah, see, winning North records. North is there. very good too right now. It looks like. Yeah, yeah. You got the Browns, uh, Ravens, and the Steelers are all, all uh, you know, really good teams. So yeah, it probably doesn't hold up as the best division, you know, in in the league. But uh, it is still really good. I think that the interesting. I haven't really watched a lot of the NFC West because their games are typically on at the same time as the uh, as the Seahawks. I saw the. I think I saw the Rams beat the Cowboys, and then I saw a, another one. Someone played on, like, a prime time. Oh, I saw the, the Niners lose to the Eagles. Good God, that was terrible. <laughs> uh, so I do I do think the Niners are, like, they were due for regression, mostly because they had a really good pass defense, and that's not, like, super sustainable over time. Um, it definitely is not sustainable, like, year to year, really, unless you, like, stay super healthy, and they clearly did not. Uh, so I, I expected that. Also, the quarterback stinks. Like, is it? Was it a surprise really that Jimmy G re- regressed? I don't care if no or not. Like, the dude ain't ain't that good. Doesn't mean the Niners can't be good. I think they will because I think they have a really smart and a really good coach, just like the the Rams do. But I don't think their quarterback's good either, and he's like leading the league in yards per attempt. Uh, see, I think we're going to learn a lot about um, the whole division, not just the Seahawks here in the next few weeks. I think the Niners Rams is prime time. This week, I'm pretty sure that's the Sunday nighter, so I'll be watching that. And I think the Cardinals are in prime time this week too. They so got I'll Dallas. Be, I'll, yeah, yeah, they're the Monday night game. Uh, yeah. So I'll be I'll be really intrigued all all weekend, even if the Seahawks aren't playing, and just kind of get a better feel for what the division looks like. Because right now, I have no idea how good anyone is, and that includes the Rams, who have four wins against the NFC East. <laughs> all four of their wins against the worst division right. in football, right? So how good are they? <laughs> right, good point. So, uh, yeah, we're going to learn a lot about everyone this weekend, except the Seahawks. You mentioned some of the productivity, or I guess lack thereof, the yardage that Seattle's given up, and it, it, it being at a close to a historic rate. And we see across the NFL right now, there's some teams that are struggling defensively 
at a level I've never seen NFL teams struggle at. I mean, the Cowboys are giving up like 35 points a game. The Jets have given up almost as many points as the Cowboys. There's just certain teams in the league that just aren't operating very good defensively. I mean, the Falcons are terrible on defense. Is there any narrative, though, in in the locker room or around from the guys you're covering as to why? I mean, is this a direct correlation, I guess, is what I'm asking in the strange times we live in? Have we seen a defensive regression because of the obscure offseason that preceded this NFL season? Um, I think scoring's just been going up in general, relatively speak. Like for the last mm, at least five or six years, I feel like scoring has gone up. I mean, this is also how the game's designed too. I mean, you just even look at like just some of the rules. I mean, there's there's a rule against roughing the guy with the ball. Like just fundamentally, you just think about that. Like, hey, don't hit the guy with the ball a certain way. It's like, why not? You know, <laughs> if you think about it, like, there's no really good reason to make a rule specifically so you can't beat the snot out of the quarterback, right? It's because the game, they're trying to get scoring. Same thing, like, uh, you know, a running back can stiff arm, you know, Josh Norman into oblivion, right? But if if Josh would have grabbed Derek's face mask, I'm like, oh, wait, we know that's a safety risk. Okay, well, that doesn't make any sense. So uh, I think the way the game's trending has always been towards, you know, offensive football, which is why it's better to build a good offense and why offenses are more sustainable, you know, year to year. Uh, so, but I think part of it is like it's easier for offensive players to get together in the off season to to work out. Like even look at the Titans, as stupid as they were behaving and then continue to behave. You know what, what were they able to do? You know when they had their their outbreak, they were able to get together on offense and run routes. You know, and you you can get the chemistry and the timing of all of that down in a way that defensive players cannot. Um, and defensive players are reacting rather than rather than being proactive. So that just requires more communication just in general. So I think it's a combination of all of those things. It's not just we didn't have a preseason because the offenses would have gotten a preseason then too. Uh, so I think if you combine all of those factors, uh, then yeah, you, you see why like offenses are just going crazy right now unless you're the Jets. Uh, one thing about the defense, and this is really more about the the guy than it is about any level of expectation of productivity or being you know a big factor, but they did sign Snacks Harrison. The Seahawks, Damon Snacks Harrison. Is there any chance that he works his way into shape and becomes a contributing member of this defense during the course of this year? Uh, the fact he wasn't in shape is a, is a bit of an issue, I, I think. Like, how much of an issue? I'm not entirely sure because I don't know how out of shape he was. But, I mean, if you sign to a professional team, I expect you to sign up in shape. That's just, I don't care what position you play, to, to be quite honest. Um, the other problem is that Seattle has some decisions to make with some guys eligible to come back from uh, from IR here pretty soon. I expect Philip Dorsett uh, to be able to come back. I expect Rasheem Green back. I expect uh, Rashad Penny to come off pup. Uh, Colby Parkinson is on the NFI. Uh, he may be eligible to come back. So, I mean, they've got uh, DJ Reed um, put on Instagram yesterday that he's back on Monday. You know, so another guy, I think he's on NFI as well. Like, all these guys are eligible to come back. And so, it, where's who's coming off? You know, that, that's really important. they got to decide that here. And that there may not be room for a guy like Snacks to get called up off the, off the practice squad. I just don't know. It's not like they need a ton of interior line help. Maybe they will because I don't know what happened to Anthony Rush. He got hurt against the Vikings, and we kind of just kind of forgot about it. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think Snacks could have an input, but the – it won't even be him being in shape as much as it'll be like, is there room on the roster? They got a lot of dudes they got to get active. Last question for you, Mike. Right now there's four undefeated teams in the NFL. Packers, Titans, Steelers, Seahawks. Where do the Seahawks rank among the unbeatens in the league? Uh, they're probably the second best one uh, behind Green Bay. Uh, I think, I, uh, to be fair, I haven't seen a ton of the Steelers. Though I expected the Steelers to be good. I think football outsiders had them... Um, uh, as like one of the top five teams with the best Super Bowl odds, and my one of my homies texted me. He's like, "What the hell, the Steelers?" And I was like, oh, "Well, I mean, their their defense is going to be really good. They're going to have probably the best pass rush in the league, a top five secondary, um, and they're going to have a really a good passing offense with Big Ben and his receivers. And I'm pretty sure all of those things are currently true. Uh, so I would go Packers, uh, Seahawks, Pittsburgh." And who is that fourth team? Tennessee. I don't even want to count Tennessee. Man, those guys are big idiots. Yeah, Taylor Luam turning uh, 
turning breaking protocol into like quote unquote adversity. And the Titans are idiots, uh, so I don't even want to count them among the best teams. <laughs> they took an L when they when they just disregarded protocols and weren't wearing the contact tracers and had an outbreak. And we're like, you know, we should do get closer to each other at this high school field in broad day. Like, no, man, you guys don't deserve to be undefeated. I'm so mad that they won on Monday, on Tuesday. I like to take, Mike. We appreciate you being here. The Titans aren't among the undefeated on account of their 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 choices away from the field. Uh, Mike, always appreciate you coming in here and being with us. Look forward to uh, watching the other three games in the NFC West play this weekend and then uh, get set for the Cardinal game against Seattle a week from Sunday. As always, appreciate it, my man. No problem. You got to take care. You too. Thanks, Mike. Mike Dugar. Covers the Seattle Seahawks for The Athletic. You can read him at The Athletic. You can follow him on Twitter at Mike Dugar. You can also check out the Seahawks Man-to-Man podcast and uh, and get the insight on the podcast version as well. Mike Dugar doing it with us every Friday, 12 for the 12, so we appreciate him very much. We'll take a quick break. On the other side, it's our matches from Student of the Week, Joseph Urso from Billings West. Next. Coulter, obviously, if people are traveling, you got to have them stay somewhere else, not with you. That's true even when COVID isn't going on, and especially now. So you send them out to the Wingate. We know that. That's obvious. What you might not know is about all the meeting space they have out there, convention space, and even personal office space, because God knows I can't stand being with you any much longer. I'm going out there. I'm going to lock up my own personal office at the Wingate. You can do the same thing. If you need a business space, whether it's for yourself personally or you're just tired of doing Zoom meetings, you just want to see other humans, but you want to be socially distanced, the Wingate has great business meeting rooms. You can space out. They have all the hookups and technology you're going to need for any sort of meeting or presentation. Or if you're like Ryan and you just want to have a place where you can work in peace and quiet, the Wingate Inn also a great option for those that live and work around Western Montana and the city of Missoula. If you have anybody coming through town or you want to get your kids out of the house, Wingate also has awesome rooms, great business rates. The pool is back open. They've done a great job of making sure that's going to be safe for you and your family. The Wingate Inn, located in Missoula, it's an excellent option for business travelers, local business people, or anybody coming through the city of Missoula. Let the Wingate Inn make you feel at home even when you're not. We want your Back to Telling Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio. Time for our Mattress Firm Student of the Week. Get to here in just a moment. It uh, is a nice Friday. Hope you are doing well. If you'd like to follow along on Twitter, you can do that at Gus Tutel. That's me at 1029 ESPN and at Skyline Sports MT. Those are your relevant Twitter handles. Well, we are happy now to welcome in our Mattress Firm Student of the Week. He's a freshman at Billings West High School. Joseph Urso joining us. Joseph, thanks so much for being with us. How are you? Pretty good. Thank you for letting me be on. Yeah, well, we're happy to have you in here. You are into all kinds of stuff. Since we're on ESPN, let's start with the sports stuff. You are uh, both into archery, which you've done some uh, some stuff with competitively, and you're also a wrestler. Now, this is interesting. You've been wrestling for quite a while, but you haven't wrestled at the high school level yet because you're a freshman right now, 14 years old, and the wrestling season hasn't even started. So what's the prospect like for you as you've gone to high school now for the first time, obviously in kind of a weird period of time, and you want to get into wrestling what's that like um it's kind of exciting for me because i'm really excited to wrestle on a different level of competitiveness in high school it'll be a lot different than it is in middle school tell us about archery how'd you first get into archery um i joined 4-h and i was offered a bow for me to get into the archery project that they have going on there that's how I started getting into it. 4-H, archery, wrestling, they all take a certain level of focus. Is there a crossover there? I mean, do you feel like each one, even though they're distinctly different practices, in terms of the mental side of things, do you think that they go together? I mean, do, do you feel like uh, it, it helps hone your mental focus overall? Yeah, I do believe that. Um, helps me out with being nicer with people and stuff. Well, I'd be nice to you if you were if I knew that you're going to take me to the mat. You know what I mean? I don't want you to go and do, you know lunge at my knees, and now I got to you know I got to be nice here. I think Joseph Urso joining us. What weight class are you uh, planning to wrestle at or wanting to wrestle at? 
hopefully the 165 weight class. Let's get into a few other things that you do. So first of all, you and your mom, your mom has worked for a long time right at the Bethany Church, I understand, and you've been volunteering over there with her. Tell us about what you've been up to with her. Um, I've been volunteering with her and helping her clean toys and help out in her classroom on Sunday since I was around six years old and also helping out with preschool in there with different teachers too. And so mainly cleaning toys and rooms. Right. And so once you got to a certain age, you were actually able to also help out and kind of hang out with the kids a little bit and give her a hand in all kinds of different ways, huh? Yep. Yeah, that's fantastic. And the other thing, uh, and this is remarkable, you're 14 years old, you're building houses. Uh, well, I don't mind saying I'm 39. I, I just hit my own finger with a hammer yesterday. That is a fact. So I'm not into this stuff. How did you start getting into the construction world and, the, and, and, and starting to build a house close to where that church is? Well, so we saw him working out there, me and my mom did. So we went out to go say hi and... We asked to see if I could help start working, and I just started mowing the lawn there for him, and then it became into a job. So now I'm helping him work on two houses in the city. Having all this stuff going on, what sort of things have you learned from it? What has it taught you, having multiple different pursuits? Um, It's all taught me pretty much to... It's all taught me major skills that I think you'd need in life, like how to fend for your, not fend for yourself, but like work for yourself for what you want and to achieve all the goals and be able to set goals as well. Joseph, we really appreciate you being here. Joseph Erstro, our Mattress Firm Student of the Week from Billings West High School. Joseph, thanks so much. Well, thank you for letting me be on. It's a pleasure. Happy to have you on. Uh, if you would like to nominate a student, you can do that online at mattressfirmmt.com. Click on the students page, and uh, any student that you know, any kid doing great things in the classroom, in their communities, uh, and uh, it doesn't have to be athletics necessarily, certainly can be, but uh, looking for the great stories of the kids around the state of Montana. They'll have a feature done about them for, on SWX television, and then come on here and have an interview with us as well. So you can go to mattressfirmmt.com and nominate your student uh, that you would like to see uh, highlighted for the student of the week. And at the end of the year, uh, next spring, Mattress Firm will be donating, uh, will be selecting a, a student of the year and giving a $3,000 scholarship uh, to that individual. So that's really cool stuff there. So go check that out again at mattressfirmmt.com. We'll take a quick break. Hour one in the books, hour two straight ahead. The biggest double-A matchup in the state thus far this season takes place in Missoula tonight. The Sentinel Spartans hosting the Helena High Bengals, two 5-0 teams, two of the top teams in the state. We'll hear from Dane Oliver and also Hellgate head coach Mick Morris right after this. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org. 